You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. What do the best physician leaders do? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael S. Woods. Dr. Woods is a practicing surgeon in Santa Fe, New Mexico, founder of Civility Mutual, and the author of The Depot Principle, Applying Personal Leadership Principles to Healthcare. Dr. Woods, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much, Susan. What is The Depot Principle? The Depot Principle was a concept that I developed after immersing myself in some of the best leadership literature for business, actually. And in that literature, what I found was a predominance of a belief, and now pretty much supported by data, that the leader of an organization, by enabling and enhancing employees' ability to deliver, resulted in Uh, great customer satisfaction, and that translated into organal success. The depot principle is basically a mnemonic for remembering this in healthcare, and it stands for the doctor, employee, patient, and organization, and how value flows through that chain from the physician as a leader to his or her employees, to our patients, and then subsequently to our healthcare organization. Can you give an example of that? Every physician who is in active patient care works at some point during the day with employees, whether they're hospital-based or whether they work in their own office. The effectiveness with which the employees interact with our patients hugely determines patient satisfaction in the entire process. And the way that the physician acts, that is, leads those interactions, can truly affect that entire dynamic. So if a physician is particularly effective as an individual, both in terms of communication and leadership skills, employees with whom he or she works tends to reflect those same values and tends to reflect those same skill sets, and patients perceive value in that. Alternatively, if the physician is ineffective, if they are inappropriate, if they are the sort of individual that yells or is belittling, that too gets translated through the employees and down to the level of patient care. There are good studies that would support this both in healthcare now and as well as in business. Is physician leadership a natural born talent or a skill that needs to be learned? I firmly believe that leadership is a learned skill. It's a combination of an individual's character and competence and how that gets translated into action. Competence incorporates the skill of communication, which is absolutely critical in being an effective leader, as well as competence in interpersonal skills and other technical skills. Nobody really wants to go to a physician who's technically competent but incompetent in terms of their interpersonal relationships, and the converse is true as well. Nobody really wants to go to a physician who has great interpersonal skills and is not technically competent. So character and competence are things that are required for effective individuals, and both of those things are things that we have control over. So I I firmly believe that leadership, especially personal leadership, is something that we can all get better at. What led to your interest in this area? My interest in this area developed because after having a very 
interesting initiation into clinical medicine after completing my fellowship. I was recruited out of clinical practice to Johnson & Johnson, where I was in the clinical research group. And as a physician with that particular operating company, which was the Janssen Research Foundation, I was put into a leadership development program, which was something that Johnson & Johnson did for most, if not all, of the physicians who worked for their organization. And during that period of time, I had an aha. And the aha was, why didn't I get any of this leadership training when I was in medical school? Because it's all about interpersonal relationships. It's all about effective communication. And in the end, it's all about driving success from individual to individual such that the organization has an overall level of success. And that aha turned into the depot principle, where my real goal with that book was to begin to drive into healthcare how utterly important personal leadership is for the success of the overall profession. So the depot principle, while it has real value to physician leaders, leaders in that sense being chief medical officers, medical directors, et cetera. The depot principle really is about how we can, as a profession, all get better with leadership. And so that, in a nutshell, is what led to my interest in in leadership. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Michael S. Woods, author of The Depot Principle, Applying Personal Leadership Principles to Health Care. Dr. Woods, what characteristics weave through the best physician leaders? Well, again, Susan, I want to clarify that as I talk about physician leadership in the Depot Principle, the book, I'm really talking about very core values such as loyalty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, personal courage, and matching those very baseline character values to competence in the other domains of our life, which, um, as mentioned earlier in this program, I, I believe are interpersonal communication and technical skills. And then in true leadership positions, uh, as I believe all physicians are who care for patients, utilizing that for purpose, direction, motivation, and translating those through to our employees so that we can all accomplish healthcare's goal. How can doctors become better leaders? I really would suggest that anyone who's truly interested in becoming a better leader first focus on the personal leadership literature that is out there. I really believe that things like Stephen Covey's book, The Seven uh, Habits of Highly Effective People, is, is a fabulous place to start. There are many, many other books about leadership that I, I think are, are worthwhile. I think The Depot Principle is a good summary of much of that literature, and it's framed in a way that hopefully makes it more accessible to those who are in healthcare. How can listeners get a copy of the Depot Principle? It's currently available from the American College of Physician Executives. It's on their website, uh, which is acpe.org. That book, uh, as well, is currently undergoing a revision, which will be published in an updated form, hopefully much updated form, 
by the Joint Commission resources sometime, hopefully, in the next year. Tell us about Civility Mutual. Briefly, Civility Mutual is Bedside Manners 101. We are in the process of developing an organization that teaches doctors and patients how to better communicate with each other. And the reason for this is because vast amounts of data have shown that this results in safer care, better outcomes, and generally will improve health care for all stakeholders. And I, I mean for both patients and physicians. And Civility Mutual really has arisen out of combining all of the previous work that I've done, including the depot principle. Do you think things have changed from when you were in medical school to today in terms of teaching communication skills? I think there's a real desire to have that type of change occur, Susan. I'm unsure as to whether the initiatives that have been implemented are going to make a real difference. I have had discussions with medical students who have been involved in some of these communication programs, and they're often delivered in the way of evaluating how a student does with a standardized patient. And some of the feedback I've received from students are that, quite frankly, they view this just like any other test, and many of the students figure out how to game the system in order to get through the, the structured interview testing process, if you will. And one student even told me that shortly after entering their clinical phase, they had a preceptorship where she encountered the exact situation as one of the structured patient examples. And she said, I was completely caught off guard. I didn't realize how different it would be being with a real patient in that situation, even though it is exactly what I had gone through earlier. And so I think this highlights one of the most difficult and important things about communication, and that is that it's a learned skill. And it cannot be learned in a one-hour or two-hour or even ten-hour session, but it's something that we as a profession need to focus on constantly. And my firm belief is that we can't just be teaching our medical students about more effective communication, that we must be teaching everybody from the staff level down so that medical students, once they get through the initial training, have good role models for communication at the staff level. Your work in physician leadership has been described as having the power to transform the medical system. What progress are you making? I am very pleased that there seems to be more attention being paid to the importance of behavior, because leadership is a behavior. And there is increasing intolerance for disruptive behavior of physicians. There is increasing intolerance for inappropriate communications from physicians. And this is, quite frankly, being driven, I believe, by physicians who are in management positions who are beginning to hold physicians' feet to the fire as it relates to codes of conduct within their organizations. The other thing is I've had a conversation within the past several months with a good friend of mine named Dieter Zimmer, who's the vice president of practice support at Northwest Physicians Mutual in Salem, Oregon. And Dieter's been a longtime supporter of my concepts around leadership and even how it relates to 
physicians getting sued for malpractice. And I wrote a course at Dieter's request about physician leadership to make available to their insured physicians. And this was probably four or five years ago. And it saw essentially no utilization for the first two to two and a half or three years. And Dieter called me several months ago and he said, something really interesting is happening. And I don't know exactly what it is, but we're seeing much greater utilization of your course on leadership. And so I suspect that we're beginning to see a subtle shift in the receptivity to the concepts as well as an understanding of the importance of personal leadership as well as effective leadership at the top by physicians. Dr. Woods, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it very much, Susan. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.